Welcome to a new year of Stories of Runeterra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. This has been a really fun project for me, and I'm excited to be starting the, I'm calling it the fourth season, but I'm just putting a marker here on the first Because the Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe filled with mighty women of strength that will not tolerate a stagnant heart. Each week, continuing into this new year, we're going to jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this whole project as my efforts to create a fan fueled audiobook of League stories and lore. This week's story, if you haven't already picked it up, is Ilawi, the Kraken Priestess. I'm also excited, if you hang on to the end, to give you a little of announcement of a project that my buddy and I have brewing for another League of Legends podcast that might tickle your other fancies, whatever they may be. And now, over to our terrible attempt at an impression. Wisdom is frequently a kick in the head. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now for Ilawi's biography. Ilawi's powerful physique is dwarfed only by her indomitable faith. As the prophet of the great kraken, she uses a huge golden idol to rip her foes' spirits from their bodies and shatter their perception of reality. All who challenged the truth-bearer of Nagake Boros soon discover Ilawi never battles alone, the god of the Serpent Isles, fights by her side. All who encounter Alawi are struck by her presence. An intense woman, the priestess is fully committed to the experience of living. She takes what she wants, destroys what she hates, and revels in everything she loves. However, to truly know Alawi, you must understand the religion she has devoted her life to. Nagake Boros, the deity of her faith, is usually depicted as an enormous serpent head with tentacles spiraling around it in endless motion, with no beginning and no end. Also called the Mother Serpent, the Great Kraken, or even the Bearded Lady, Nagake Boros is the Serpent Isle's god of life, ocean, storms, and motion. The literal translation of its name is the unending monster that drives the sea and the sky. Central to the religion's theology are three tenets. Every spirit was born to serve the universe. Desire was built into every living being by the universe. And the universe only moves towards its destiny when living creatures chase their desires. Lesser priestesses are tasked with maintaining temples, calling holy serpents, and teaching people the ways of Nagake Boros. 
as the religion's truth-bearer, Alawi's role is to serve the god directly by unblocking the flow of the universe. To this end, she has two sacred responsibilities. The first duty of a truth-bearer is to be the spearhead in the war against undeath. Having fallen outside of the normal flow of the universe, the undead are considered an abomination against Nagake Boros. While it is the responsibility of every priestess of the Kraken to protect the indigenous population from the harrowing, a truth-bearer directly engages its most powerful spirits and drives the black mist back. Second, Alawi is tasked with seeking out individuals of great potential and challenging them with the test of Nagake Boros. This task is the burden Alawi's title reflects. With her massive holy relic, the Eye of God, the truth-bearer strips the subject's spirit from their body, then forces them to stand against her to prove their worth. She does this knowing those who fail will be completely annihilated, for the great kraken has no tolerance for cowardice, doubt, or restraint. But destruction is never the goal. Survivors of the ordeal are forever changed and often find the will to pursue their true destiny. Though Alawi is the most powerful and respected truth-bearer in a hundred generations, it is where she has broken the traditions of her faith that speaks the most about her. Having completed her training as a truth-bearer and at the height of her power, Alawi left the golden temples of Buru for the squalor of nearby Bilgewater. The pirate city is the only place foreigners are permitted on the Serpent Isles. Viewed as a fetid gutter by Alawi's people, previous truth-bearers ignored the city and viewed the arriving foreigners as little better than untouchables. Alawi broke with tradition when she chose to protect residents of Bilgewater from the harrowing, or even more controversially, when she decided that some of its residents had souls worthy of the great test. Despite this, only a handful of temples have opened in the city and very few Pelangi, islander slang for residents of mainlander descent, have ever been permitted inside. Regardless, it is Alawi who has brought the widespread awareness of the mother serpent to Bilgewater, and it is her indomitable spirit that has brought her religion into favor here. Rumors persist that Bilgewater's most bloodthirsty and infamous pirate had his heart broken by the towering priestess, to anyone who has ever met her, this is no surprise. Alawi's rough manner belies subtle intelligence, strength, and magnetic confidence. Many seek Alawi's favor and welcome her to Bilgewater. Yet everyone fears being tested by the Kraken's prophet. And a saying from the Twenty Wisdoms of Nagake Boros reads, There can be no rest. We are the motion. And now for today's story of Alawi. It is entitled The Burden, and it is by Odin Austin Schaefer, according to the League of Legends wiki. Truth bearer, this is why we must retreat to the Buru. We cannot save the Pelangi, the Hierophant said. The heavy-set woman grinned, obviously pleased by the prospect of leaving Bilgewater. 
You've mentioned that before, Elawi said, walking around the stone table in the center of the room. She rolled her shoulders, loosening the muscles to fight off a yawn. Beside the hierophant, an elderly serpent collar stood. He wore a vestment made from ropes. Each indigo-dyed cord had been woven to curl. Their varying thicknesses and faded crack in ink gave him the illusion of being draped in rough-hewn tentacles. His face was completely covered by a black tattoo depicting the endless teeth of a leviathan's maw. Monks and serpent collars were always trying to look scary. It was an annoying habit of most men. The greatest beasts won't approach Bilgewater, the serpent collar said with a wheeze. They stay out in the deep water, away from the stench of the slaughter dogs. At best, a few half-starved younglings will heed our summons. Only the greatest children of Naga K. Boros were strong enough to consume the mists and defend the city from the harrowing. The rest of the Serpent Isles didn't have this problem. It was yet another reminder of the ignorance of Bilgewater's population. The mainlanders and their descendants didn't give time for fresh water to flow through and clean their docks. Instead, the Pelangi settled permanent anchorages around every shore in the bay. It was so foolish. Many of the priesthood asserted it was proof the Pelangi actually wanted to be consumed by the Black Misks. Crap, Alawi said. If she was going to stay, she would have to find a way to defend the city without serpents. She picked at the food from one of the offering bowls around her before selecting a mango. She needed a plan, and these two fools were useless. A loud crack interrupted her musing. A heavy wooden door had slammed open downstairs. Gangplank's voice howled. The words were unintelligible, echoing around the stone walls. We pulled him from the water as you commanded, the Hierophant smiled, adjusting the jade collar of her office. Perhaps it would be better to let his energy return to Nagake Boros. You do not judge souls. Of course, Truthbearer. It is for Nagake Boros to judge. She said, implying that Alawi's opinion was biased. Alawi walked between the two clerics dwarfing the pair of them. Even for an islander, the truth-bearer was tall. It had always been so. She was taller than even the largest Northmen. As a girl, she had been self-conscious about it, always feeling like she was stumbling into people. But she had learned. When I move, they should know enough to get out of my way. She lifted the Eye of God from its stand. The golden idol was larger than a wine barrel and many times the weight. Her fingers tingled against the cold metal. It had been placed next to the giant roaring fire which illuminated the room. But the eye of God stayed forever cool and damp to the touch. Alawi deftly shouldered its massive weight. In a dozen years, the truth bearer had never been more than two strides from it. Hierophant, I remember my duties, Alawi said as she headed down the stairs. We will not be retreating to Buru. I will stop the harrowing here. The high priestesses had done little but complain since arriving from Buru, but there were some truth in her words. 
When Gangplank's ship had exploded, Alawi's heart had jumped. It had been many years since they had laid together, many years since she had ended the relationship. But some feeling still lingered. She had loved him once, stupid old bastard. Surrounded by tall walls of interlocking stones, the courtyard to the temple was shaped like the fanged mouth of a leviathan. The entrance looked over the blue waters of the bay far below. Alawi stomped down the stairway toward the front gate. She assumed she'd have to smack Gangplank in the mouth. He was prone to arrogance and rum, but still, it'd be nice to see him. She was unprepared for the snarling creature in her temple's entrance. She knew he had been injured, but not like this. He was limping badly and bent over from shattered ribs. He cradled what was left of his arm. He swung his pistol around the room with his other arm in a half-mad attempt to force the monks and priestesses back away from him, oblivious to the fact that these were the very people who had pulled his drowned body from the bay only a few hours ago. Worse, his pistol was completely empty and completely useless. Where is Alawi? He bellied. I am here, Gangplank, she answered. You look like crap. He fell to his knees. It was misfortune. Had to be. Working with those two alley whores, they sank it. I do not care about your warship, she said. You were always telling me to move on, head back out to sea. I needed a boat. You only needed a canoe for the sea. This is my town, he screamed. The monks and priestesses surrounding Gangplank tensed at this outburst. The gangplank was foolish enough to make such a claim while standing in a structure thousands of years older than his city was dangerous in and of itself, but a Pelangi shouting at the thrice-blessed truth-bearer in her own temple? Any other man would have been dumped into the sea with broken knees. It's my town, he roared again. Spittle flew from his mouth in rage. So what are you going to do about it? Alawi said. I, I, I need Okao and the other chief's support. They'll listen to you if you ask them. If you ask them, they'll help me. He lowered his head in front of her. What are you going to do about it? Alawi said, raising her voice this time. What can I do? He said hopelessly. She took my ship. She took my men. She took my arm. Anything I had left, I used to get here. Leave us, Alawi told the other priests as she walked toward the gate. She looked down on Gangplank. It had been ten years since she'd last seen him. Drink and worry had taken his dashing looks. There's nothing for me in this town, but... And without your help... His voice trailed off when he met her gaze. Alawi kept her eyes as hard and unforgiving as the Kraken. She gave Gangplank nothing. The priestess of Nagake Boros could show no pity or sympathy, even if it tore at her chest. In despair, the old captain's eyes darted away from hers. I could do that, Alawi said, and with a word the tribes and Okao's gang would join you. But why should I? Help me, damn it, you owe me. He snapped like a child. I? 
Or you? Alawi rolled the words in her mouth. I keep up the rituals. I offer the sacrifices. Gangplank snarled. But clearly you did not learn the lesson. Rituals? Sacrifices? You speak of things for weak men and their weak gods. My god demands action, Alawi said. I suffered for this town. Bled for it. It's mine by right. Alawi knew what she had to do. She knew it before Gangplank had spoken. She had known years before his ship had sunk. Gangplank had strayed. For too long, he had festered in the hatred and self-pity his father had beaten into him. Alawi had ignored her duty. She had ignored it because she had loved him once, and because she had led him down this path when she left him. He had been content as a killer, a corsair, a true pirate, and never interested in his father's title of Reaver King. He had only set anchor in this bloody quest to become the Lord of Bilgewater after they had parted ways. Alawi felt a dampness in her eyes. His time had passed. He had been unable to move forward, to advance, to evolve, and now? Now he would not survive the test of Nagake Boros, but he needed to be tested. He was, he was here to be tested. Alawi looked at the old pirate before her. Could I send him away? Trust that he still has some sliver of strength or ambition that might see him through? If I, if I send him away, he might live, at least. That was not the way of Nagake Boros. That was not the role of a truth-bearer. This was not the place for doubts or second-guessing. If she trusted her god, she must trust her instincts. If she felt he had to be tested, then it was her god's will. And what fool would choose a man over a god? Gripping the eye of god's handle tightly, Alawi lowered the heavy gold icon from her shoulder. A familiar lightness replaced it, yet somehow she could still feel its weight there. Please, Gangpank begged, show me some kindness. At least, I will show you the truth, Alawi said, stealing her will. She stomp-kicked Gangplank, her heel smashing into his nose with a crunch. He flew backward like a drunkard, blood pouring down his lip. He rolled over and over and over and looked up at her with furious eyes. Behold, Alawi intoned. She reached out with her mind and called forth the energy of the Mother Serpent as she swung the giant idol forward. A glowing mist vomited from the icon's mouth and swirls of blue-green energy formed around the Mother Serpent's face, solidifying into ghostly tentacles. Touched by gold, these tentacles were as beautiful as the sunrise over water and as horrifying as the darkest undersea abomination. More tentacles grew from the icon, replicating around the room as if born from some unknowable mathematics. Exponentially, they grew larger, and somehow each one's growth seemed to hold all the promise and horror of the world. No! Gangplank screamed, but the whirlwind ignored his cries as the storm of tentacles took him. Face Nagake Boros, she yelled. Prove yourself. 
The tentacles grasped at Gangplank and dived into his chest. He shuddered as ghostly images of his past lives shook around him. He screamed as his soul was ripped from his body. His doppelganger stood unmoving before Alawi. The spirit of Gangplank smoldered in almost blinding blue, its body crackling and flickering through his previous lives. A mass of tentacles attacked the wounded captain. Gangplank rolled and stumbled to his feet, dodging what he could. But for each one that missed, more and more appeared. Reality twisted and churned around him. The swarm of tentacles crashed against him, pushing him down, pulling him further and further from his soul toward oblivion. Malawi wanted to look away. More than anything, she wanted to turn her eyes. It is my duty to witness his passing. He was a great man, but he has failed. The universe demands... Gangplank rose slowly inexorably and unrelentingly he forced his broken body to stand he ripped himself from the mass of tentacles and advanced step by unforgiving painstaking step roaring through the agony bloody and exhausted he finally stood in front of Alawi, his eyes bulged with hate and pain, but full of purpose. With his final ounce of strength, he walked into the glowing visage of his spirit. I will be king. The wind fell still. The tentacles ruptured in bursts of light. Nagake Boros was satisfied. You are in motion, Alawi smiled. Gangplank stood inches from his former love, glaring at her. His back arched and his chest swelled with the sweet air of resolve. He was the proud captain once more. Gangplank turned and walked away from her, no less injured or limping, but his stride now held its familiar boldness. Next time I ask for help, just say no, Gangplank growled. <laughs> Do something about that arm, Alawi said. Was nice to see you. He said as he walked out of the temple and down the long steps towards the water below. Heh, <laughs> stupid old bastard, she grinned. As the monks and the hierophant returned to the antechamber, Alawi remembered there were a thousand things she needed to do, a thousand little burdens she needed to carry. The truth bearer would have to meet with Sarah Fortune. Alawi suspected Nagake Boros would soon need to test the bounty hunter. Tell Okao and the chiefs to support Gangplank, Alawi said to the Hierophant. Help him retake the city. The city is in chaos. Many want his head. He won't survive the night, the Hierophant grumbled, looking at the injured captain struggling down the steps. He is still the right man for the job, Alawi said as she hefted the Eye of God onto her shoulder. We can never be certain if we're doing the right thing or how things will happen, 
or when we will die, but the universe gives us our desires and our instincts, so we must trust them. She began walking up the steps from the courtyard to the inner temple, the truth bearer's idol on her shoulder. It was a heavy burden, but Alawi didn't mind it. She didn't mind it at all. I guess I should have said spoilers on the front end of this for Ruined King. I don't know. Uh, I still haven't finished playing through the game myself. Anyway, um, really enjoyed that. Main Dalawi for a while. I do enjoy the Kraken Priestess and um, her and Darius, but still, Brahms, my boy. You cannot get past Brom. He's so happy and he has Boros. What can I say? Anyway, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I am excited to let you all know. I am getting together with a buddy of mine. We're still getting the schedule a little hashed out, but we are going to be releasing a second podcast. Uh, Name is pending. We've got a couple fun ones on the books, Uh, but it's basically going to be where we go to games we really like to play. For example, League of Legends, Legends of Runeterra and tabletop games we really like, like Dungeons and Dragons, or Traveler if you're into sci-fi, or any other stuff. And we're going to do mashups of the two. So that might look like creating creatures and NPCs from League of Legends in D&D for you to use in a custom campaign if you wanted to play through Runeterra, and things of that nature. But I'll give you more time on that once we have a, a release date. I think we're starting our first release in January, and then we'll have a title, we'll have a sample, and um, yeah, so keep your eye out for that. It's going to be out there on the interwebs, and... I'll get you links as soon as I know. Keep your eye on my Twitter. I'll put links on there, at Ravenhood on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also over on Patreon with at uh, Ravenhood. If you like what I do, toss a coin to your Witcher. If you like what I do but don't have a coin to toss, then no harm, no foul. I don't mind at all. What would be neat is if you left some reviews on iTunes Uh, or Spotify or whatever platform you listen on, those make it look like people like this thing, and it would be cool if it got to be a cool thing, and I could do more with it. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Happy New Year's to you all. Be safe, uh, and we'll catch you on the flip side.